All righty, y'all. Welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show. Uh, this week, we have uh, my co-host, UJ Harris. So if you haven't listened to his episode, go check out episode 28. And uh, my new friend and UJ's uh, mentor and friend, uh, Tony Cologne. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. It's awesome being here with you guys. And uh, what a journey we're going to have tonight. It's awesome. Amen. Yeah. Let the Lord lead us in our conversation. And uh, as I always say in, uh, in our mission statement, uh, we all have a story. Uh, we all have struggles. And the good news is we're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we definitely know we're not alone. But it took some, you know, some trials and some hard times for at least for me to figure out I was not alone. Um, yeah. Uh, reaching out for help is one thing that I had to learn how to do. Yeah. Um, so UJ, uh, you want to introduce your brother a little bit and yeah, uh, yeah, lead us tonight. My favorite, my favorite Puerto Rican is <laughs> <laughs> my friend Tony and uh, brother I met geez, many many years ago actually when I was, I was living in in, um, in Durham and uh, but we weren't actually good friends then and we just sort of knew knew each other from church but then I think since 2018 the Lord really you know reconnected us in a way and you know. And we've been, he's been a friend and a mentor and a big brother uh, since that time. And I'm just really thrilled to have him on the, on the shore. And I'll tell you, so Tony, this is, you know, we're pretty open here. So we're just going to kind of give you the mic and, and you can jump in and start talking and sharing. And we'll, you know, I'll jump in with some questions. Charles is, we'll jump in with some questions, but your platform is your story, brother. Welcome to the Rabbit Hole Show. Yes, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, brother. I, uh, I was hoping you start off with a question, but I just give you a a quick synopsis of my life. Um, so I'm Puerto Rican, like uh, Hugh J mentioned. I'm the middle child of three. I have an older brother, younger sister. Grew up in New York City in the Bronx. And um, as far as um, you know, something this just came to me. So <clears throat> I was the first day of my life. Right, you come into the earth, and um, I was born on my dad's birthday. And it's just amazing how that when God has a call and a glory for your life, how the enemy attacks sometimes from the first day. And that's what happened to me. Um, So the first day I was born and I was born on my dad's birthday. And he wanted a daughter because he already had a son. So years later, I would hear my dad say things to people like I was so disappointed the first time when I grabbed Tony because I wanted him to be a girl. So the enemy attacked me at that moment where your disappointment, not only to your dad, but even on your dad's birthday, because we both were born on the same day. Mm. So the enemy just started orchestrating these things in my life of just kicking my tail, um, trying to really stop the glory of my life. Um, And then, you know, so I grew up in the Bronx and my parents, I think my dad went to the fifth grade. My mom only went to the third grade. So they really um, couldn't really help me with school things. And I was very, very slow in school, couldn't comprehend how to read. Literally until I was in my 30s, and I'll explain that later. I said a prayer, and the Lord opened up my mind to reading. So my whole life, I just felt like I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't good enough. You know, I was stupid. And um, then what really started the process of addiction in my life was the first time I found the pornography magazine. Um, my dad was, he was really checked out, wasn't really doing much. Um, he would work and work at, work at summer camps, be gone every summer. He was a chef, um, but he would go to work in the morning, come home and just stay in the room. And my parents fighting and fighting in front of me and all that stuff. But that day I found that, that magazine, I can't tell you the exact age, probably somewhere around nine, 10 years old. It was like, you know, if I had my hand in front of your face right now and reaching for your face and grab you, I just felt like the enemy did that to me. Like he sucked me in at that moment when I saw that magazine. From that moment forward, everything in my psyche, everything in my spirit was I had to get back to those magazines in my dad's closet. You know, you're out playing, you're having fun, you're a little kid, but everything in your mind is just drawing you like a magnet. I got to get back to those magazines. And I just started a whirlwind of, of issues in my life. 
um, really to this day that I have to really battle because that's now become my default when something happens that I, that I just have those desires to go down that road. Um, by the time I was 12, something else happened to me sexually again. I was forced into a homosexual situation. And from that day forward, you know, it didn't happen all the time, but I would have these little thoughts. You see, you're a queer. And, um, you know, my dad used to always say, I have five girlfriends until the day I married your mom. And I also had five girlfriends until the day I got engaged to my first wife. So the things that our, our parents start putting inside of us, it just, you know, the culture that we live in, the environment that we end starts programming you and really taking you down the road. Um, and so that that happened. I remember my one of my uncles talking about if I had pimples on my face. Um, now, this isn't going to be a PG testimony. Just to let you know that <laughs> not uh, all of them are. So <laughs> all right, good. So he would say, um, it, can I be real with y'all? It's fine. Yeah. Straight. OK, good. Be you real. know, he, he would call that. Um, my uncle would say those are pussy bumps because you ain't getting laid if I had acne on my face. Mm. So these are the men and the people that I'm around. And then my mom, she was a warrior, man. She would. She, I've seen her pull out a machete as somebody tried to rob her in the store. She had and pull out a machete and swing it at a guy who was standing right next to her. So she wouldn't take no crap. But her story is that when she was eight years old, um, <clears throat> she was sold to a pimp. Um, what do you what do you buy? A pimp buys an eight year old for what? Mm. You know, to be child trafficked, maybe. I don't know. But um, so she grew up in a prostitute house and became like a maid there. And so by God's grace, I'm here today because at 16, she left there as a virgin. Nobody touched her. Amen. So I when I talk to men about because I end, I end up sitting across a lot of men and hear their story. And I would tell them that, look, I'm going to tell you how much God loves you because I wouldn't be to here today if, if God didn't protect my mom over 70 something years ago. Yes. So he protected her today so I can be here with you. You know, a lot of times we have to connect the dots in our story and just see the miracles of what happened. You know, my dad also, um, <clears throat> if I'm jumping around, just, you know, bring me back to a question from the other part of the story. Um, but my dad was really, you know, he checked, he's checked out. His goal was to take care of my grandmother. When she died, he died inside. He had mm -hmm. no reason to live. So he went from looking at pornography to a full-fledged alcoholic, to a bum on the street, to homosexuality. You know, I saw my dad with a man sexually. Mm -hmm. So all these traumas and all these things are just slamming me and hitting me. Um, but the crazy thing was, is that like even the thing of the um, my my the partial birth abortion, God protected my heart at that moment that I wouldn't have any bitterness or anger to the person who, who took my ex in to do that. Um, my dad, I caught my dad in that situation, got blocked. It. He says, you're not going to have any bitterness or anger towards your dad. And I just kept pursuing my dad. So basically, I ended up really fathering my father for many years um, because he became a bum. I see him on the street, pick him up like like. Um, you know, you look at, you know, you see these films and you see a guy in the street bummed out and crapped on and pissed on. And, and that was my dad. If I didn't see him for a couple of days, I just drive around the neighborhood and find him that way. Put him in a car, take him home, have change his clothes, do all this stuff, put him in rehabs, out of rehabs, come back out, do the same thing. But the Lord always just protected my heart through the whole thing. And let me go back to to my mom. I'm sorry, I skipped around. So my mom, she's at this prostitute house. So she saw men using women and all this stuff. So what would I hear from her? I told you about, you know, I was slow in school. I told you about my uncle talking about pimples on my face. My dad, five women. My mom's philosophy when it came to men and women is that men are dirty. And women have to take care of themselves. So that's something else and come dropping in my my young heart that I'm a man, so I'm dirty. 
It's just amazing the things that you don't even realize that you we say, the things mm. that we put into people's hearts and little young minds. Like, you know, I mentioned to you about my dad. I was in disappointment to my dad the first day of my life. So you got all these things, the enemy just hammering you, hammering you, hammering you, the homosexual thing hammering you and going at it. Why? Because God had the glory of my life. And when did um, when when did your relationship with the Lord start? Okay, so fast forward, <laughs> big time fast forward. Um, when I went to, I used to be in the Amway business, and it was a guy by the name of Bill O'Brien that became a father to me. He was a leader. He was very very successful. Had an amazing walk with his wife. And at those conferences, you I was probably somewhere around 29. I'm married now, and I'm now I'm 29 years old. And I go to one of those conferences, and based on he was prime his life, his walk with Christ was priming my heart for truth. And I went to a Sunday morning worship service and I walked up. And gave my life to the Lord. And then even at that point, all hell broke loose again because now my wife and I are unevenly yoked. Because now I just committed my life to the Lord and she did at the time then. So that's where I gave my life to the Lord. <laughs> now, um, now, so when you were talking about, well, Charles, go ahead. No, you got it. Yeah. So when you were talking about how God sort of kept your heart from getting bitter or hardened against, you know, the girl who, you know, with the, with your so with the son, uh, your dad, those were all things that you you sort of looking at and looking backwards and seeing what God did because you didn't have a relationship with him then, right? Is that right? No, I did not, not at all. Okay. And, and so so as you kind of grew in your faith, you're able to look back and say, okay, as I look back, I see even though I wasn't following God, His favor was still upon me. And oh, for sure. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that's isn't that amazing? I think there there are a lot of people who who don't probably know that right now. And uh, and I, I've done that. And Charles, I'm sure we, you've talked about this too, right? Looking back on your life and in, in, in points where they were really challenging and you realize, okay, I wasn't walking with the Lord. Or I wasn't, you know, he wasn't my identity, my focus, but but he was still looking out for me. He made this move happen and made that thing, didn't, kept that thing from happening. And uh, I mean, that's just, that's, that's good stuff right there. I think a lot of people will be blessed to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that reminds me of, and I think I've mentioned it before, but that poem in that picture called Footprints, where you got oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, four, uh, the four feet prints walking on the sand, I think, and uh, you look back, and there's only two, and you're like, Lord, where were you? And he goes, yeah. I was carrying you. That's right. That's and right. That, and that's what I think, because um, I uh, found God at a young age, but definitely went on my rabbit holes um, You know, after high school, and he never left me, and could have called me home last year, uh, but he didn't. And, um, you know, I'm down here on his earth, uh, filling his purpose since I still have purpose. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. we the, all have the, a different story and walks and, um, but God's always with us. Huh? So Tony, get them, so how did your, when did you get married? And, uh, and what would tell, they talk a little bit about sort of, you, you know, your, your first marriage and, and how you all met and, and sort of, you know, it sounds like, I was going to say what, what role God played. It sounded like God wasn't necessarily in your marriage because you guys weren't saved at the time. But can you talk a little bit about that relationship and how that happened? <laughs> so I love riding motorcycles. As a matter of fact, this weekend we went to New York City. My wife and my my second wife and I went to New York. So that's my one of my passions. I rode to Virginia Beach from New York on my motorcycle and met my ex and, you know, beautiful lady and and was attracted to that. And um, one thing that was funny about her, because I had five women <laughs> when I was dating, when I started dating her, is that it was like wild, man. She would tell me what I was going to do before I even did it. Like, you're going to go hang out with some girl. You're going to do this. And I'm like, that was tonight's plan. And you're already telling me. <laughs> so I, 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 I was attracted to that. Like, she didn't put, you know, it was the first person to put up. Um, tolerate my bull crap, put it that way. <laughs> and um, we ended up being married for um, 14 years when we, we were in New York. We had kids. We had two boys. And my oldest was five and my youngest was four. And, and we decided to 
work situation, move out of North Carolina. And when we moved here was when um, the first thing I said, you know, me and my house, we will serve the Lord when I got saved. So I was basically leading but forcing, meaning we're going to church. It didn't mean that she wanted to go to church, but at at the time, um, and we moved here and she did give her life to the Lord at like two weeks after being here. And like some of the women where she where she did that were like surprised, like, you're not saved, you know, and she's like, no. And, um, and, you know, at the time, I remember her saying that she really broke down because she, you know, she was dealing with a lot of stuff in her life. You know, one of the things with me is. And I went through counseling after that was I'm a rescuer, but I always attract broken people to me. And so one of the beautiful things that they taught me through counseling the first time. So, well, the day my ex left me after four kids, now we have two boys, two girls, and she left. Put it this way, before that. Was I saved? Yes. But it was more of God, a genie in a bottle. When I need you, I'll call you. Mm-hmm. The day that she left, I say that was my true conversion where I allowed him to be the Lord of my life. Mm-hmm. So I got on my face and I said, God, if you're real, do whatever it takes and change me because I never want to go through this crap again. And it started a process of, you ever seen the Jason Dearborn movies where he has an earpiece in his ear, make a left, make a right, do this, do that. I felt the Holy Spirit doing that with me Um, because like my ex left and didn't hear from her for three weeks. She finally calls me. I get on the phone with her and I say, hey, why don't you come move back home? She has four kids, move back home. I'll move out. We'll go to counseling. She goes, you go to counseling. You're a mental abuser. You're this, you're that, a whole list of stuff. And as soon as she hung up the phone, Manor Church, which is Michael Fletcher, Manor Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm in Raleigh. I would listen to him on the radio. And I went to a concert at his church. The first thought that came to me was call up Michael Fletcher. I called Manor Church. He has about four or 5,000 members. I called him. I asked for him. The secretary puts me through to him. How do you find a pastor that has a 4,000, 5,000 member church going to pick up the phone to a guy that doesn't even go to his church and they put him straight through? He picks up the phone like he knew me. Tony, hey, buddy, how you doing? How might I help you? I told him my wife left. And so this is how fast it happened. She hung up. She told me, you go to counseling. Hung up the phone. Man of church comes in. I pick up the phone. I call. I speak to him. He tells me, hold on. I put you through to my my family pastor. Pastor Joe gets on the phone, says, if you're serious about doing something for your family, I'll see you in an hour and a half. Where are you? I said I was in Raleigh. He said, I'll see you in an hour and a half. I'm the, I, I hang up the phone. I call my manager. I'm going off this job. I'm on the way to counseling. My ex calls me back within five, six minutes. And I said, you said I need to go to counseling. I'm on the way. Call this guy and tell him everything I've ever done to you. Wow. I get there. Pastor Joe says, hey, Tony, I just spoke to your wife. She has some amazing things to say about you. You're a mental abuser. You're a physical abuser. You're this, you're that, a whole list. How much of it is your fault? or zero. I said, it's 100%. Because then he says, you're right. Because you're the head of the house. What happens in your house is your fault. Now he goes, the issue is whatever is hindering your walk with God is what is affecting everything else in your life. What is it? And I started confessing my sins to him. Mm. And that was, you know, nutshell how that started. And then it started a three year, three and a half year. God, God told me after that, was you know like even with the abort that was other abortions guy would thing would pop into my head call that girl ask her for forgiveness because if you weren't having sex with her that wouldn't happen to her and i i would do it i would just do things i wouldn't think about it because as soon as you think about something that you know god told you to do the enemy is going to back it up with a list of 100 reasons why you should never do something like that Mm-hmm. So the whole, you know, that Jason Dearborn thing, make a left, make a right, go to counseling, call this person, call that person. And every time I did something like that, the weight came off of me, came off of me, came off of me. So that's the story about my ex. And I didn't mean to go down that rabbit hole, but it, it somebody needed it. That's the name of the show, brother. 
<laughs> the rabbit hole show. So you you will go. Yeah. We're going to go into every hole because we know you can't get out of it. You know what I mean? And uh, someone so, needed to hear that. Yeah. When you became a, a believer, um, how much of a difference did that make? And 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 did did did, uh, did your ex, uh, you know, come alongside you at any point? Or I mean, what was that? What was the sort of the spiritual journey like? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so. I don't want to go down that road, but so what happened? What happened was what happened was what happened was uh-huh. what happened was um, in in a nutshell, we just basically she's an amazing person. She really yeah. is. She just doesn't know how to pick men because she chose me. <laughs> because you know, I was I was a hurt little boy. I didn't understand what manhood was or. What biblical manhood is. Everybody thinks you know what manhood is, but unless you lined up with the Lord, you really don't. Um, so it was a season where every we got started going to church, going to church as a family, everything's cool. And then um I don't know what happened. You know, I was I she didn't want nothing to do with the Amway business, and one day somebody talked to me about it. I went to a couple of meetings, she hated it. And it just flipped like this. I told her I would never get in that business without your approval. And it flipped. Something in her heart flipped. And it was over. She left. And that was the end. And um, now we're like brother and sister, though. I love her. You know, we're cool. And um, but it's it was a hard season of my life, man. I wanted to kill myself. She took four of my kids and took them to New York and. And man, I love my kids a tremendous amount. And I would go to New York, <coughs> excuse me, every three weeks for about two years. <coughs> I was almost homeless here. But I said, my children would never call another man daddy. And I would go to New York. I'm talking about there were seasons where I went from my daughter calling me the night before. I got a basketball game tomorrow. It's an important game. I said, I got work tomorrow. And that morning I would get up, get in the car, go. And I remember, I remember walking in, and they were warming up for the basketball game. And she ran, crying, and yelling. <laughs> she jumped in my arms, crying, because I made it to her game. Mm. Even the other girls on the team knew how special that was, and the coach put me on the, on the bench. I took her out to dinner, turned around, drove nine hours back home, went to work the next day. I would do that multiple times. Wow. Talked to my son this weekend. He said, Dad, those days that you showed up for my basketball game, for my football games, I played the best ever. And God redeemed everything, man. I know I'm crying because it just reminds me of the pain. It's so hard. It's so hard to go. You're excited about seeing your kids, but knowing in 48 hours you got to turn around and come back home. And that same daughter told me one day when she was five years old, Daddy, I was crying for you this week. It was like her stabbing me in my heart with a knife because I knew that because of my failures and my addictions, the lie that I was living, how much I hurt him. But I never gave up, no matter how much it hurt. I jumped in those cars, and God came through so many times, so many times. Miracles would happen. Amen. Miracles would happen. Like one time, I knew that when she, when she was going to go to New York, we went to court, and the court let her go. And I said, God, I'm expecting you because you allowed her to leave. This state, I'm expecting you to provide every need for me to go see my kids anytime. And I have a bunch of friends that I can call at any time and ask them for money or whatever. It would cost me $800, $900, a $1,000 every three weeks to go see them. One day I got up and I was scheduled to go see them and I had $200 in my pocket. I said, God, I'm getting in this car. You said you were supply my needs. I didn't even have enough gas money, enough toll money to go. I get to New York City. 
And a guy from Raleigh calls me. He says, Tony, where are you? I said, I'm going to see my kids in New York. He goes, where are you right now? I said, I'm getting ready to pass over Manhattan. He says, can you please, please, please do me a favor? I said, what? He's, now he's in Raleigh. He said, I did a job in Manhattan. The guy's projector doesn't come down. Do you have your tools with you? I said, yes. He says, can you go? I think it's just to speak. The wire got unplugged above the speaker. I'll pay you a day's pay. A day's pay. The service call. He basically paid me over $1,100. It took me longer to find the parking spot than to fix that projector. And I said, can you do me a favor? He goes, what? I said, Weston, you need me the money. He goes, okay. And God would just do miracles like that. Wow. When he has called you, when he has marked your life, man, just be obedient and walk by faith, not by sight. Could I have called, a, at the time, Hugh J wasn't in my life, but I've had guys like Hugh J. Could I have called anybody at that moment? Said, man, I'm going to New York. I only got $200. Can you spot me 700 I would have had it. But I said, no, God, you said and that's what I stood on. Wow. That, a lot of fathers wouldn't do that. A lot of fathers would be like, you know what? I don't, that's not my responsibility anymore, but you know, you were the father and, uh, that you were called to be. And that's a testimony. Um, and I'm believe probably your kid's relationship with you now is very, very strong because of those days. And they were tough. It, it, it's amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, God is just, bro, he is so good. I tell you, um, Tony, one of the things I hear as you're talking is, um, did you ever struggle with forgiving yourself? Because, I mean, you know, you walk in, you take 100% of the blame for your, for your, for your for, you know, what happened with the, with the first, with your first marriage. You obviously carry a, a lot of a burden um, to be, to be as dad you can be. Did you did you get did you feel did you carry any guilt that you sort of had to kind of get to a point where you say okay I know God has forgiven me so I'm going to step into that forgiveness how did you deal with that It was more of um, see I went through I went through counseling I went through restoring the foundation breaking generational curses ungodly beliefs inner healing casting out demons i went through every kind of ministry that you can think of to cleanse me and it's gotten to a point now where like why am i so emotional man i'm going i'm putting myself back (laughs) into those situations you understand what i'm saying it isn't like i'm no i am healed I am a new person it's more like this it's like i was the main actor in that movie Mm-hmm. Now my new role is a son of God. So I have victory over everything. You know, all that stuff that happened to me, it was, it got to flip everything because there's no excuse that any man can give me. Number one, I, I couldn't read. Well, somebody tell me, well, I'm not smart. This and that. Well, I couldn't read till I was in my thirties. So what's your excuse? Well, my dad did this. My dad did that. Well, did you catch your dad with a man having sex? No, but I forgave my dad and I shared the gospel and he got saved. So what's your excuse? Why you can't say, why you can't forgive your dad? Well, my girlfriend did this. My girlfriend did that. My wife does this. Did she kill your son? No one, one did to me. And I, we talked and I, she forgave me. I forgave her. So so what's your excuse why you can't forgive your wife? You can't move on and let this stuff go, you know? So my, yeah, I'm forgiven. Yes, I've forgiven myself. That that wasn't me and I'm healed and it's awesome. <laughs> well, you, you say that, I mean, I, I like the way you just said that, but you know that, uh, I mean, I'm sure you know this because, you know, we talked and you talked to other guys. I mean, you know, sometimes forgiving yourself, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's just something that's really hard. And there's so many of us, you know, God has forgiven us, but we haven't forgiven ourselves. And, um, it's, it's, it's great to hear you talk about it, you know, like, like you did it and you're already, you're encouraging men to do it. Why do you, but it's hard. It's hard for some of us. It's hard for some guys and uh, it's hard for people. I mean, there are men and women listening to this show. So, uh, I mean, how, how do you sort of encourage a person, somebody to, how would you walk somebody through that to that, to, to get into that place of forgiving and realizing that you're a new person and those things, you know, you know, things have become new. You're no longer whatever those those chains were. Your chains are gone, right? My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. Like, what? Are we... 
It's more of, <clears throat> do you really believe what Jesus did on the cross is enough for you? Come on. That's it. That's pretty much it. Do you truly believe that what he did on the cross, he forgave every, he took my sins, every single sin, past, present, and future on that cross so that I can live free. Do I truly believe that? Because if I don't forgive myself, I'm saying what the cross did, what he did is not enough. Did, how long was, did it take you to forgive yourself? Did that happen immediately or was there, because you went through I really never, different... I'm sorry. I really the... never had this guilt that I don't forgive myself. It was, it, it, it was an onion, just this, do this, go to counseling, any healing ministry, forgive your dad. You know, like I, I, my, I went to my dad's bedside, you know, and he went to the hospital and I got knelt down next to him. Imagine a dad, he would fight, him and my mom would fight in front of me. I'd stop them from fighting, caught him with a man, bum on the street, all this pain, stuff that like my siblings, they ran away from, from my dad. So I took the brunt of his issues on me. Like if I was his, like if he was my own son, I was pursuing him and I went to his bedside and I said, dad, I just want to let you know, I forgive you for everything you did to me. And it was like demons. He started crying like a baby and it was like demons were coming off of him. I said, now I told you, I want you to be in me forever. The only way to do that is accept Christ. And he said, okay. And my dad got saved. And I was at that moment. He became my dad. Amen. Before that, I was basically his father. At that moment, he became my dad. So I turned to see every man wants to be validated by his father. And just to let you fathers know that are listening to this, pay attention. It is valuable that you validate your children. He started telling those nurses, this is my boy. He never gave up to me. Tony's always, he's always loved me. And then I would just be, I would come in and, and share the, read the word to him. And then he died like two weeks later. And I felt that it was just God's grace to, to allow me to share the gospel with my dad, that he would get saved and then take him home so he wouldn't allow him to go back into the streets and, and, and do what he was doing. So it, it's just so good, man. And I can go on and on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I mean, just, you know, whatever, you know, you want to share, whatever, you know, I, I, was, I went through an exercise over the weekend um, um, uh, that event I was at, what they were were encouraged to, to write what the what was called a spiritual autobiography, where you go back over your life from as far back as you can remember, and you started off this conversation talking about when you were basically when you were born, you know, and you know, and, and just being unwell, right, by your dad because you wanted a daughter, right? And keep me honest, and, and, and me, and so what what this experience was was you go back and you look at those those pivotal moments in your life. In your life, if you think about how they impact your relationship with God, so there's some things that have drawn you closer to God. There's some things where, you know, maybe pushed you away from God, and of course, there was a period of time in your life where you didn't believe in God at all, for whatever reason. And uh, and as I listened to you, you going back to that very first day, how have you managed to? How did you get from? Because there's still many of people still walking around, man, with those lies, with all those things that were spoken over us. I mean, we talked about this at the heart of a war, right? Those vows and contracts and agreements and and all those things like, and I know there, there are a bunch of bro barn brothers who listen to this, who obviously are, are a lot of guys who go to heart of war and who will recognize you, Tony. Um, like talk a little bit about, about that process of learning to break those vows and contracts and agreement. Cause it's not, it's not, it's, it's prayer, but then there's a little bit of, of, I think there's some action that you have to take in terms of believing, right? I mean, talk a little bit more about that for you. Renew your mind with the washing of the word. Okay. What does that look like? You know, the Utah Sensei talking about the heart of a warrior, that was a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal point in my life. Um, so I met a friend of mine who wasn't even going to the church. I was going to invite me to another men's meeting at uh, another church. And Michael Thompson was running that meeting and he was going through Wild at Heart. And... I've read that book maybe eight, nine, ten times. Who knows how many times that book changed my life um, because it showed me that 
how the enemy, who the enemy is, who my battle is against, how God created me. Um, you know, the battle to fight, the uh, the adventure to take, the beauty to rescue, and all those different just things, and understanding the enemy and understanding um, who I am as a son. It, it's you really can't say I'm I'm free. I'm you know this happened. It it was a lot. I went through a lot of stuff. And it was just like one little thing here. You know, ask this girl for forgiveness about this abortion. A little weight came up. Ask that person for forgiveness. A little weight came up. Share the gospel with your dad. He validates you. Another weight comes off. It's just a process of continually cleansing and cleansing and cleansing. Going RTF. That's 18 hours looking at generational curses and breaking all those things. And knowing that when you go through those things and you say a prayer, you believe you received at that moment and you move on. But I've had and it's. I had one of my first mentors, that Pastor Joe, who I went to man the church, and I've kept in contact with him through all the years. He says, Tony, you're a miracle. There's one thing that happened to you. Most people fail for the rest of their life. One thing to know that your disappointment to your dad was enough to trip somebody out and they're gone. They'll never come back. You know, you, you, you felt like you were stupid in school. That, that's another one. It's just thing after thing after thing. But man, when you say and you, you say a certain prayer, you say something, you receive something. Like even with my, my reading issue, and I was speaking at a church one time, and I said, you know, I said a prayer, God, I, you, you want me to know your word, you got to open up my mind to reading. And then right after that, I believed I received, and I didn't even say that, I just, it's just in my heart. And then I started taking action and started to read and started to read out loud to my kids and read out loud to myself. And now I'm like a speed reader. And I have hundreds of books that I've written, read, right? And um, so everything is, when God says, do, believe, and then start, the process of walking it out because I had to start the process of reading, right? I couldn't just say, okay. And, I, and the, the late, a lady after that church service came up to me. So you said that you prayed and then you started reading and you prayed. I said, no, I said, I prayed once. I believed I received and I started taking action. <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question, but, yeah, but no, I mean, it, it does. And that's the word that you use action. You know, I think there, that, that one of the things that I've learned is, that there are actions, there are habits, there are disciplines, right? That we have to, we have to uh, be able to to do to to you know we do as as believers. So it's not just I'm just going to sort of I'm just going to pray about it, and then and it's just that's it. it, it, it you know, I know you, I know you, you, you instilled this on me, in me, or kind of impressed this upon me. This idea of being a regular consumer of good teaching, kind of feeding your mind. You know, with the word. I mean, that's a discipline, right? You can't just do it on Sundays. You you got to be hungry for the word. And you talk about listening to hours and hours of sermons and teachings. I think at different points in your life, and that's something that I started doing too. Uh, you know, especially through some of my my rough stretches and uh, and and going to church, going to RTF. I mean, like there there are things you have to do. And I think sometimes people it's like, well, I go to church, you know, or I do a little bit of this, or I do I do a little bit of that. And why isn't everything okay? It's like, well, you're not going to get the benefits if, you're, if there's not a measure of consistency and doing. Disciple equals discipline, equal, discipline habits, behaviors. That's sort of kind of what I'm picking up from you. Yeah. And the other thing is, is just having men in your life. So the first conference I went to at the Top Gun conference back then, Heart of a Warrior, um, I saw Michael and Jim Shanae and, and all these different guys up on stage. And I said, I want to be a part of that team. So that put me in a position of accountability at that moment. If you want to be a part of this team, then you're going to be accountable or not. You know, are you going to, am I going to show up at Michael's meetings or am I just going to say this? And it was wild. So there's a one session there on posing. And I have a, a family member who says I'm real prideful and all I do is talk about myself. Like even, I can't even share this podcast with him. If I did, he'll, he'll blast me. 
um, because I'm so prideful and, and it's not about God. This is all about him. It's not about me. I didn't. He created me. He put me in the perfect house to put this whole perfect testimony together of deliverance. Okay. <laughs> so, and um, <clears throat> so the posing session, I left that session with heavy heaviness and hearing those words from that person saying, you're fake. And the question that you had to go ask God was, how have I been a fake? And I went and sat down on a lifeguard chair right by the lake, sat there. And I said, God, am I, am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this for you? And it was as audible as it can be that I turn around and look to see who, who is speaking to me. He says, I put you on this lifeguard chair because you're a lifesaver and I want you to go rescue men. And I turned around, I literally looked, and then I went to Michael and I said, Michael, um, this is what I heard. And I went back to my pastor at Kings Park and told him who started doing men's meetings. And dude, between my wife and I, because then she started doing women's meetings, we started doing wild heart and captivating for the women. <laughs> We probably had about 60 people on a weekly basis coming to our house for small groups for years and years and years. And and um, it was at that moment that I said, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. And I stopped that sexual stuff. Uh, been 13, 14 years now um, because God put me on a mission. A man without vision will perish. Um, so one of the things is you see Hugh Jay calling me. Because at the beginning, it was, you know, he went through a divorce and all that stuff. And I was basically mentoring him through that process. But him calling me to ask me any question, it puts me in accountability because I can't screw up because this man is counting on me. Mm. I can't screw up because Michael Thompson is counting on me to speak at the conference one day or whatever, even though it didn't happen at the time. You know, so. It, one of the accountability things in my life, and, and there are times when I'm hurting, I'm hurting big time, and I'll pick up the phone and I'll call a man and say, and just start encouraging him, loving on him, and how you doing, boom, boom, boom. And then I said, before I hang up the phone, he's going to tell you thank you. And he goes, what? I said, yeah. He goes, what are you telling me? Thank you. You just helped me out a tremendous amount. I said, no, thank you. You just helped me kick Satan in the teeth because before this, this was happening to me. And I just called you and I just kicked his butt for what he was trying to do to me. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry I used you. I'm sorry I used you that way. <laughs> That's a good way to use someone, though, because, uh, you know, the purpose of this podcast is community. And, um, you know, for me, I used to hang out with bad community. And there's good community, bad community, bad community um, I would surround myself with because I thought I was better than them and my life wasn't as bad as theirs. Well, it, you know, it was. And until I realized I need to surround myself with like-minded people, good community who are going to lift me up, you know, people who believe in God and who want um, a positive uh, person in their life until all that happened. I wasn't going anywhere. I was stagnant. Um, so community is big and that's something that I, you know, like to talk a lot about because we all need community. Yeah. And, and now I'm re I'm remarried to Kim. We're married 14 years now and man, she is amazing. Um, yeah. what is, what is life like now? Sort of, I mean, you talk a lot about, uh, you know, caring a real heart for men and mentoring and, and sharing your story about what so what what is life like for Tony right now with uh with you know, yeah where are you talking yeah, about Kim and yeah. wow <laughs> I came up with a word called ah sucks I said life is awesome and it sucks at the same time awesome okay awesome a w e s u c k s kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I want to make sure the audience gets that. All not all sucks, not A L L, but A W E and then sucks. Okay. All yeah, yeah, yeah. Sucks. Because until we see the father face to face, man, life's gonna happen. And um, you know, I text one uh I don't wanna go into my son's story because he didn't tell me okay. Yeah. But, you know, I texted him earlier, give me a call. He didn't call me just to see if I can share his story. But there are times, like right now, my wife, mom, my wife's mom has dementia. Um, let me go back to Kim. Um, she's been the biggest 
blessing. You know, when I went through counseling, the counselor says you attract broken women to you. The first day I met Kim at church and someone told her I wasn't doing any ministry. Somebody walked up to her and said, oh, you ain't on Pastor Tony. I was on a worship team playing percussion. So I was up front and she had a visitor's pack in her hand. And and um, so I went through counseling. They said, you're a sucker for a broken woman. You try to save them and help them and you become their gods. And how does that work for you? So. Mm-hmm. Through the counseling, I realized, okay, I'm not looking for Mother Teresa, but I'm looking for someone who's pursuing wholeness, right? <clears throat> so I met Kim. She's at the altar in the front, front of the church, put it that way, with a visitor's pack in her hand. And someone just told her, oh, you waiting on Pastor Tony. I was not doing any ministry. We believe it was an angel because we never saw that person again. And the way he did it with like a smirk, a laugh, like, I want to introduce you to Tony type of deal. I went up to her and said, this is your first time in church. And what I said to her is totally ridiculously crazy. <laughs> um, so if somebody just told her I'm a pastor, so she thinks I'm a pastor. And these words come out of my mouth. I said, this is your first time in church since you're a little girl. She goes, yes. I said, okay. If you ever had an abortion, if you ever been molested, if you went through a divorce, if you got daddy issues, and she was crying by this time, I said, don't just think by coming to church, it's going to go away. You got to go fight for your healing and get the right people in your life to help you walk you through all this stuff. And whatever you need to get free, you got to go fight for you. You show up in this church, and I know people have miracles. They walk in, and God's done miracles. I'm not telling you that can't happen. And I said, Matt, pray for you. And I prayed for her, and I said, okay. Note to self, you're a sucker for a broken, beautiful woman, and that's exactly what she is. And I would run away from her. See her in church. How you doing? See you later. And um, I and one day at a wedding, she goes to me. Um, I went, I got something important I want to ask you. And I was like, what? And I said, I'm not going to give this girl my phone number. I said, we can talk. She goes, no, not here. I said, let's go in the hallway. She goes, no, I will go outside. But I ain't giving this girl my phone number. And she goes, well, how can I get in contact with you not here? And I said, okay, I gave her my phone number. And basically, I started discipling her on the phone for about four or five months. I would not take her out. And I tried to get other women to to get in her. I called the pastor. Hey, call this girl up. She was still legally married after five years. They only spoke once. I knew they they were divorced, but no paperwork. I said, call this girl up. This is the situation. I'm basically trying to get her away from me because I'm a sucker for a broken woman. Mm-hmm. And and they would just tell her, hey, you need to stay away from Tony because you're still married. I, said, I tell you that. I told you to disciple her, answer her questions. But I saw her grow so much. And today she is amazing. So where's my life today, you ask me? Kim's mom has dementia. And she leaves Thursdays and she comes back. Uh, no, she lives Sunday at 12 o'clock, comes back Thursday nights, 9, 10, 11, and does that for the past four years. Mm. It's been real tough. I'm not, I, you know, I've never been alone. And this has been a hard season. You know, my son going through stuff, big time stuff heart-wrenching stuff and it's like the weight of the world the weight of this family you know like even my ex you know calling me up tony thank you for dealing with this situation with our son i don't know where i would be without you and i just felt feeling the weight of this world and knowing that i'm being stupid because i'm trying to carry this weight that god said to give to him but when you're a warrior and you always want to fix things, you think you can fix things. You can't fix nothing, man. The only thing you can fix is stay, stay connected to him and cast your burdens on him and knowing that he will finish the plan that he has in your life. So most of my mentoring now is just one-on-one and people referring people to me. But I need to watch out, you know, because the enemy is always knocking on my door when it comes to being alone. You know, sexual addiction is still, you know, not, 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 not come after me, you know, because that was always my fix. But now I got a motorcycle and my wife and I enjoying each other. And we're going to New York and traveling and man, she loves my kids like they were her own kids. You would never know she's not their mom to the point where my ex, we got my ex and us 
We spent Thanksgivings together, birthday parties. She's at my house, and my my mother-in-law came over. My wife invited her, my ex, to birthday party for her mom. We're all here hanging out like you would never know. Like one <laughs> for my mother-in-law's birthday, so I got my ex here, my two daughters, and my wife's cousin. My wife's cousin goes to my ex. So how are you related to the girls? Because y'all look alike. She goes, I'm their mom. And she's like... <laughs> So Tony's ex is at your house. They're flipping out like crazy. But God has redeemed everything. Come on. Everything. Amen. <laughs> so he asked me where in my life is now. That's why I said, awesome and sucks. <laughs> All sucks. Okay. I got um, that, that is, that is, you know, it's just so much here. And I hope that when people listen to this, they, they, you know, maybe it's one of these things you want to listen to a couple of times i've been i've been fortunate to have a relationship with tony and he's been one of the guys sort of my i think what is it we talk about it? the barn maybe even the hardware your foxhole buddy you know yeah. and, uh, so you know so using that metal military analogy i think inspired by uh, the band of brothers movie and um so that's been really really awesome so tony as uh one of the things that um that i think i, I was thinking about was just the, the the labels, the labels that are put over you. Some of these things are they seem easy to kind of for some people to just sort of work through, uh, and then but for some people they can't shake that off. And going back and facing those things, I mean, you know, I mean, you talked about you know if you're in, I think you said I think when you met Kim, right? Like if you've had this, if you've had these issues, if you've got these issues, you know, sort of you know deal with them. You know, but a lot of people don't want to deal with things. And there, there, there are a lot of people who are believers who are going to church every Sunday. They're reading the Bible. They're going to men's group, women's group, whatever. Who are still, who still have a past that they just decide, I'm going to park. I'm going to, I'm going to sort of put it in the closet and, and lock it up. And as long as I'm not dealing with it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. But I know, but you and I both know that's that, that's not true. So, what, what do you say? I mean, and from your story, your experience with, with dealing with some of those painful things, dealing with the abuse, dealing with the, the addiction, dealing with the brokenness that you experienced, you know, or that you saw that shaped your life as a, as a, as a, as a man. What was your question again, buddy? Yeah, come on. You didn't he, went follow on a, he went on a rabbit hole with the question. No, I mean, but the, 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 good, good. The, the core of my question is basically how do you encourage people to face those painful things that, that that they've decided to not deal with but just sort of park to run away from i mean and and because you know they're good there are things that are good addictions at least they look good on the surface and bad addiction being someone being addicted to work as a form of escape education beauty those may not seem bad they're not alcohol they're not pornography they're not sex but they just, they're still trying to you know cope with things in your life um, that you're not dealing with how do you encourage them to deal with those things and face those 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 things at all So I forgot what my brother-in-law put something on Facebook, but my answer was when the student is ready, the master will appear. Okay. So when you're ready, when you're really ready, God's always there. He's always ready. The master, he is ready to heal you. He's ready to restore you. He's ready to cleanse you, do all that stuff. But you have to, you have to get into the process. Can, do you believe that you can be healed? I don't know if I'm just weird that I believe I had a guy tell me, Tony, I was at a men's meeting and I spoke about you and the guy running the men's meeting said, Tony is radical. He believes the word and he's not afraid to die. And I gave him a high five and I said, that's what I want to be known for. Amen. Do you believe the word? Do you believe the promises? And are you that radical that you believe it? Because if you don't believe it, it's not going to happen. As a you know, as a man thinking his heart, so is he. Yeah, I, I'm a son, you know. And, I, and but it took years and years and years. You know, when you talk, when you just asked me the question, I went to an app that I use for years, over and over again. It says God is and we are. So my God is. It says about His love, His spirit, He's holy, He's the I am, He's the Alpha, He's the God Almighty, He's my He's He's my Creator, He's my Counselor, He's infinite power, He's all knowing. And I would just read. I would not read him. I would. My God is all powerful. He's ever present. He is with me right now. 
He fights my battle. He's my counselor. He's this. I'm I'm his son. I'm I'm forgiven. I'm it, it, and and I would just it, it the words of I said washing of the words. Man, it was listening five, ten, you know, sermons all night long. Sometimes I put on a sermon and just and, and while I'm sleeping, just listen to sermons. There was so much garbage in my life that I, I had to double or triple the amount of input spiritually okay. and so that when something came up, I said, God, you got this. Really surrender. When a lie came up, you're stupid. Well, I got this genius, Ryu Jay, that calls me up all the time and asks me questions. <laughs> so I must be, I'm real stupid, but I'm, I'm counseling, you know, the people that are, you know, guys that has, guys that have, professors in psychology calling me up and asking, hey, Tony, how about this? And I'm like, I'm like saying to myself, man, you got two brain cells, one's one waving bye-bye to the other, and this guy, so Satan, take that sucker. You trying to tell me I'm not smart, but look who, look, look who's calling my phone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so that it's really that, that, you know, the, the word talks about the renewing of the mind, and, and it sounds like, Tony, there's, there's a lot of that, and and it took a, a lot of effort. You're talking about the the, 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 number, the number of books you've read, the teachings you've listened to, the people who the mentors you've had. It didn't just happen because somebody just, you know, like a snap miracle, right? It, it, it took effort. And I just, I think that's what I take away from your story. That's what you impressed upon me is you've got to press in. You've got to, you got to seek. You got to, there's a, you got to develop these behaviors and habits. You got to dig into them. And, and consistently, you know, and, and, and as you do, you'll experience the fullness of God, you know. From, from a place of belief, that, do you believe that Jesus can? Right. Not, you can go through the motions. Right. Without the, believing that he can, and you're just going through the motions. Yeah. You can go through the motions without believing that you are, and that you already have the victory, and you are his son. Or you can go to the motions without that belief. How's that going to work for you? It's not. Yeah. A lot of people do that, myself included, and it doesn't work. You got to fully surrender and give yourself and believe in him. And you got to put forth the effort, you know, as you did and shared in your story. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't just say a prayer and poof it, you know, everything's fixed the next day. Yeah, we got to, we got to, we got to do something about it. Wow. Yeah. So, Charles, I mean, you know, we, we want to yeah. keep going. I mean, we, we, um, we, yeah, be before we wrap up, one question I just like to ask all of our guests. Um, what advice would you have for our listeners? Something that, uh, you know, you have come up with or someone has told you that you just hold close to your heart and helps you get through um, daily. Um, I know the Lord, you know, is uh, someone he is your rock and he helps you get through every day. But what advice do you have that uh, helps you? <clears throat> and, and basically this whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, so, there's, there's so much, you know, but, and I said a couple of times is it's just believing man. And he can and he will. Amen. He can and he will. He loves you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. You may be on that day where you got to make that trip and you only have that $200. You're going to trust him. You're going to trust the people in your phone. And there are times where you need the people on your phone. I'm not telling you just walk blindly all the time. But are you going to walk by faith or by feelings and emotions or what happened to you and the lies? Mm. Or are you just going to believe the truth? Man, God created you. You're creating his image. You're perfectly made in his image. I was perfectly made in the image of God, even though I couldn't read at the time. Why? So I can encourage somebody today. So... The only thing I can tell you, man, is seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Have men in your life. Be accountable. And allow him to do what he does, which is freedom. You started off earlier. Freedom. He loves you. 
My shirt says pray, obey, love, and repeat. Pray, obey, love, and repeat. I just that's the whole story, right? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. This has been so good. It's been I'm, I'm so glad that you came on and I get to be I'm extremely extremely blessed to to have Tony in my life. And I, I pray every brother out there, you know, and any and sister, anybody who's listened to this, that that the Lord provides a and I'm sure there's a Tony out there who, 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 who for you as well, who can do, who, who will be a friend and accountability partner and mentor and really be committed to living it out. And uh, so it's, I'm really thankful for you being here, Charles. Yes. Thank you. I mean, you can't do life alone. So you need uh, someone in your life like a Tony uh, that's in your phone. You can call your foxhole partner, as UJ said. Um, we all need them. Uh, Tony. Thank you for uh, coming on and sharing your story, your vulnerability. Um, it'll definitely help uh, someone who's listening because it's a powerful story. Uh, and someone listening who has a lot of excuses, they don't have any excuses now um, after hearing your story. So thank you. Thank you, brother. You're welcome, guys. And Take UJ, care. Thank you for uh, coming on and co-hosting as always. Um, it's been a pleasure. And uh, Tony, thank you again. Uh, thank you all for tuning in this week to the rabbit hole show. Um, please go subscribe, follow on whatever platform you listen to. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or want to come on the show and share your story, um, or if you want to grab coffee and uh, tell your story uh, to me and need a foxhole partner, reach out. It's the rabbit hole show 21 at gmail.com. Thank you all and stay tuned for next week's episode.